and we can date back hundreds of years, importing has always been a high-risk, high-reward obligation. Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Hey, Andy. Well, so we're back. Uh, we're going to pick up uh, just where we left off. Um, we're we're going to continue with this uh, talk that um, Jennifer was talking about on uh, on uh, best practices on on uh, ADD CVD. So, well, I tell you what, this is one of those that, folks, you're probably going to need to look and and go back and and listen to this a couple of times. There's a lot of detail here. This is a deep topic. And it's one of those that you're, you're really going to need to spend a little bit of energy thinking through what is being said so that you can then take actions as appropriate if you're in upper banishment or if you're in the compliance arena to say, what are the questions you need to be asking of your staff to ensure that you're covering the T's and or, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's for AD and CBD. Right. And uh, what we've got to remember is that we're looking at it in the perspective of two attorneys who have defended or helped people who have gotten in or companies who've gotten in trouble and uh, so we're looking at their perspective and what they've seen and how they're helping so uh, let's let's listen in one of the things that is you're hitting on the Department of Commerce the way they classify commodities is nowhere close to even being uh, close to because they don't classify they, commodities it's, it's the weirdest it's where it's it's off of descriptions and it is a convoluted mess. Is that pretty valid? And, and, yeah. and so. the bigger problem is that commerce also uses what I call revealed light when it comes to scope. In other words, if we're dealing with a dumping order that's five years old and commerce says, oh, you know what? This product's subject to scope after five years and everyone thought it wasn't. It isn't subject to scope starting from that date. It's revealed light. We've revealed the true nature of the product, and it goes back to day one. And anything that's unliquidated gets dragged in, even if there was no issue had ever been raised about the product. And it is commerce uses what I call revealed light when it comes to scope. It's so unrealistic. The other, the other aspect for this, Andy, that I think is really important and that David and I have both seen is you may have a case that takes 17 right. years for that particular entry to liquidate. So we've seen some, I mean, and granted, that's not the generic tone. Typically, liquidation is faster than that. But imagine customs is coming back to you however many years right. later when commerce finally gives liquidation instructions to customs for that particular entry. You may be talking about something that but happened five 20 is- years ago. Right. Five is completely lying. realistic. I had a case where I yeah. challenged Commerce Department on a determination, and I won at the CIT, and it came back, and then the, the, gov- the other side appealed to the Court of Appeals to the Federal Circuit. I won. It went back to the CIT. Uh, it went back to the CAFC. went back to the CIT. Um, it went back to Commerce, at which point Commerce said, we don't have to do anything because 
the petitioner decided not to keep the case alive. It took five years to litigate, and the case died. But it was five years of frustration for the importers, even though ultimately they didn't pay a dollar, because it was five years of uncertainty and litigation costs. What? And they didn't get their attorney's fees back. Right. I'll well, tell you but that. here's here's the thing, though, is that in in looking at it, I have seen, generally speaking, that when there is in the past, it's gotten better of most recent in the last few years in speeding up the actual investigation. But even though there's supposed timelines on this, um, I mean, there was reports of you know taking forever for a case to finally be have a the investigation end and a determination made and, and whatnot. And as you just said, you know, every one of these, uh, the record retention, you just keep it going. It goes out there forever. Well, companies come and go. In addition to that is you've closed out your books and, you know, you don't even know how to allocate anything. Should you be allocating something year over year and carrying it over? So that all of that to say, let's, change gears here a little bit is that with all this is that there's definitely this is after the fact a case gets filed you're 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 tied up in the in the courts to customs to commerce which department of commerce is not easy to deal with at all again what what would you recommend then for somebody to try and say i've got to show due diligence here and even that doesn't sound like it, it gives you anything but what should they be doing in preparation for importing a commodity? I, I, let me, Jen, let me, let me address this. What I think they have to do is they simply have to carefully know what the risks are. They have to make a cost-benefit analysis. They have to make a decision as to whether they're willing to undertake those risks. And if they're not willing to undertake those risks, they need to rethink their business model. And, for example, if I am bringing in a commodity, and there are commodities out there that has a 8% profit margin, um, I'm going to seriously reconsider whether I need to be in that industry as an importer. If, on the other hand, my profit margin, because dumping will do this, there are, there are products out there with two or 300% profit margins because the dumping has so raised the U.S. price, then it's a worthwhile risk if you know your risks, you know your factors, you've listened to Jen, you've set up every possible protection you can, including other corporations, you can, and you trust your supplier, you can import with a high degree of certainty that you're going to be okay and you're going to find a way to get that money and transfer it out of the company to somewhere where it's safe, and you're fine. But if I'm in an industry that has a 3 to 5% profit margin, and I hear this all the time from importers, I can't afford the dumping duties because I resell at a 10% markup, my answer to them is you're probably in the wrong industry. A couple of tips. One is we hear a lot, well, I'm just going to make my supplier send it to me DDP. That's another thought process is who bears the liability and then think about that at the beginning. So as a lawyer, what do we always ask? Show me your contract. And then we get, <laughs> you think I have a contract? I have a purchase order. That's a contract. 
and a commercial invoice. Good enough. Like, what do you think? I negotiated a contract. I bought this on Alibaba. Mm -hmm. My favorite, right? You, what, what's your contract on Alibaba, Amazon, or whatever, right? I mean, talk about us wanting to. Right. So all sorts of fun, right? So we hear this every day. So now, obviously, everybody's level of sophistication when they're dealing with your particular suppliers is going to be vastly different. So speaking to the generic every day, if there's no contract, great. What's your purchase order? What are the terms? Have you thought about your INCO terms? If you don't know what an INCO term is, get on it. We have awesome INCO terms 2020 guides. We have a Bloomberg Law article on the subject. Happy to share that. But it's, it's a must. You need to know when risk of loss passes to you, when the supplier transfers his risk of loss to you. And if it's something you can negotiate, say, you know what, supplier? I don't want to take any liability. You ship it to me, DDP. At You'll a minimum, be the importer supplier. At That's a minimum, what I tell clients, at a minimum, you want to have the foreign producer have some skin in the game. And if it's a product that the foreign supplier says, hey, this is not going to be a problem, I'm cooperative and everything else, I look at him and say, great, we'll buy half of it from you delivered, we'll import half of it, and that way we're both on the line for duties because the only person on the line for duties is not the foreign supplier, it's the importer of record. And the foreign supplier has no liability if they screw up. And so you want the foreign supplier to have dollars in the game, and the foreign supplier may say, but I don't want to be the only one with dollars in the game. Fine. Split it 50-50. I recommend that all the time. I love it. And the big aspect, Andy and Lalo, to think about is who has the liability here. And you're going back to your importer of record and your reasonable care obligation. So going back to your tips and what an importer has to do, it's, look, everything in life involves risk. Without risk, there's no reward. I don't know anything in life that's risk-free and reward plenty. And if you know it, call me. I'm happy to talk. And yes, I buy lotto tickets. So look, at the end of the day, there's always risk. And commensurate with the risk is usually the reward. But my point always is open your freaking eyes and understand your risk. And if you don't understand what your risk is as an importer, I beg of you to read the Reasonable Care Checklist. It's 10 pages online and at least understand what you're liable for. And when it comes to anti-dumping, custom specific question, which I'll read from the guidance is, have you taken measures or developed reliable procedures, not just procedures, reliable procedures, right. to check to see if your goods are covered and subject to a Commerce Department ADCVD investigation, investigation, right. investigation or determination, and if so, have you complied or developed reasonable procedures to ensure compliance with customs reporting requirements upon entry? That's your right. type three, Andy, right? So A, look, you've got to look at investigations, you've got to look at existing scope rulings, and you've got to look at the existing scope um, determinations, and you have to compare that to what your imported goods are. And if you don't have an expert that's doing it internally, you must have an expert that's doing that externally because we've seen anything from pencils to candles to furniture to you name the gamut to pasta to all sorts of crazy things that are on that list that you would say no we don't care about that country this is a war on china it's not just a china war okay that's number one right. it's not just china that's on our ADCVD order list there's a list of every country under the sun that's on that list and products that you never think of so it's one of those yeah. yeah, you wouldn't think of that. Like, who thinks of olives? Olives are good. Don't we love them? <laughs> we don't have beef with olives. But, you know, 
at the end of the day, crawfish, like crazy things are on these lists at times that you yeah, may craw- not it w- think it would, of. Crawfish so out you, of Vietnam or at something? At the end of the day, have yeah, craw- yeah, black olives out of Spain, crawfish out of Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Would bond companies be a resource for you to, to help in, no. in this? No. I don't trust the bond company. No, but they'll, they'll happily want more liability. I mean, they, they want more insurance. I, from I don't trust the, the bond so, company as look, far as look, I can Let's talk about this. David, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> the, at, at the end of the day, the way this works, look, realistically, let's think about it, right? And go back to risk and reward, right? So every surety is going to receive a premium and they're going to want to protect their own assets, just like everybody else does. Every business has their business and has their potential risk reward, right? And any insurance company is going to be freaked out if they see any potential items that may or may not be subject. But what they do, if you look, and I and I want every importer to think about this, when you're filling out your bond request, they're going to ask you if your goods are subject to ADCBD. They're going to ask you about your ownership, and they're going to make your life a little more miserable. So you got to get ahead of that ball game and see, person, before you start going down that road. Then, exactly. But do you really think, Andy, that an insurance company is going to sit down with you and say, "Hey, let me teach you about anti-dumping, and let me show yeah. you, let me let me help you answer this question, let me go over the scopes with you and your products so you answer this question correctly." Let's have a lesson. As long on as the bond amount, first. as long as the bond amount is sent by customs, and securitized by cash support, the bonding company doesn't give a damn. It's just not something that bonding companies have any financial incentive to care. Quite the contrary, bonding companies like product to be subject to dumping if you're going to pay the duty because they hold on to these massive cash cash collateral, collateral. and they don't pay interest on it, and they get interest on it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. it it's right. great for the bond. Uh, dumping duties are great for the bonding companies. Because the bonding companies have no risk, and because they collab- make everyone fully collateralize their bonds, right. the right. bonding companies have no risk and lots of benefits. But but let's but let's talk let's talk about that. That's if the bonding companies realize that it was type three pre-entry. I mean, we've right. seen both sides of the coin there, where bonding companies are also screwed out of their but 50k. You know, like you, the usual bond amount, 50k. Granted, there could be millions owed, so they're out 50, but now 50 for how many bond periods? And you know, your bond period is for that year. So then you have bond stacking issues and so on that go on. But I mean, the reality is, if a bond company is out any money, you better bet your butt that they're going to aggressively pursue whatever it is they're out. And they're a lot more aggressive in the pursuing of any money well, that they're and out. And on the same <laughs> token of that, though, let's say if it goes through and there is a an assessment of anti-dumping uh, duties due or CVDs, then right. the other scenario there is if that's not satisfied, then customs more than likely is going to be suspending right. your privilege of being able to import. Is that not correct? So let's talk about how that works first. So the first thing that the that customs is going to do is they're going to go after your bond and they're going to see whether or not, you know, that can cover it. You can't cover it. So if the IOR ignores CBP bills, then CBP has the right to go after your bond. You don't pay, your surety pays, then you have to pay your surety and work that out separate and apart. Customs doesn't care how you right. work with your surety or don't work with your surety. But now if you're not paying duties, period, customs can put you on the sanctions list and basically say anything you import, period, you're going to have to pay your duties up front right. or I'm not giving you a okay. CVP release because right. I don't trust you anymore. Right. So that's what we see more often is you get on the bad guy sanctions list so that your imports Paid must be 
paid a lot faster than you know everybody else this is great i mean this is great information i mean it's things you don't hear out there i mean you very bluntly you both are saying you know is this do you want to get into this or not you know you know assess the risk well and that's one of the things i think that is that the uh importing into the u.s i think uh that that is a resource that definitely i think we need to to uh see if we can provide the link for, the, for folks to use that and or, you know, order it from customs if they still print it. The one point I would, the one point I would make, Come on. if we look at it historically, <laughs> and we can date back hundreds of years, importing has always been a high-risk, high-reward obligation. That's why the coffee shop Lloyd's of London was created, because literally, yeah. if you sent your ship out and it came back once you broke even your ship came back twice you were a london rich merchant i mean the the risks and rewards of importing since the 1400s has always been incredibly significant and we've lost sight of that in our current scenario because we no longer have the significant risk of cargo loss that we used to have and now we've substituted the risk of government-sanctioned administrative loss for the old risk of my sailing vessel sailing off the edge of the world risk. So it's not a new risk for importers. It's a different risk for importers. And they must simply be aware that this is not, this is not a risk-free business. At all at all and it's know who your business partners are know know who your experts are and know your risks slash rewards and I, as david said you really have to evaluate them and too many people get into importing with their eyes closed because they're so excited about the sale potential on amazon i know this is going to be a bestseller and at the end of the day we we pray everything's a bestseller and i i hope people sell out and i hope everybody gets rich but at the end of the day there's not a lot of love or compassion at all from the government side if if there was a well, lack of compliance at the front. Yeah. So I, I will I will say this. Yes. The last thing, Andy, is we, we have a top 10 t- tips cheat sheet that I always give a shout out to. So I'll happily share that right. with Lalo as right. well to share with any of your viewers who are interested. And I like cheat sheets, I like tips, and I, I like resources right. for especially those small businesses who I have a lot of love and compassion for because I get the idea of being passionate and starting a business. I love it. I'm passionate and I started a business. Great. I can, I can, I can absolutely understand those particular sentiments, but I cannot understand starting a business without a business license, starting a business without registering, starting a business without protecting yourself in any way, shape or form. This topic, anti-dumping needs to be thought of in the same realm. This is one of the largest risks that a business will have that will absolutely put you out of business if you don't think about it at the onset of your business. Prior to purchasing a good, your sales slash purchasing group cannot not think about anti-dumping. This needs to be at the forefront with all of your other compliance topics. This needs to be the same place as we're marking valuation, country of origin, HTS. And so wherever you think of whatever I'm gonna sell this price to for my final customer, Put this on your cheat sheet of if I don't have this cost, I cannot determine what and cost I'm going to sell folks my product. That for. are sourcing the goods.
cannot just look at it purely at the cost of those goods, the, the, the manufacturing cost of the goods. They have to look at it holistically, and that's where, generally speaking, I have seen where the purchasing sourcing folks are not in sync with the compliance and vice versa, and that is probably right there is one of the most crucial things that a senior executive could bridge that gap and say you two need to share your goals and your objectives and your bonuses together because that's where it's going to come into play because if one does something and they find a good source but then the anti-dumping uh liability there is ridiculous there you go so and i look at the case on the light truck tires oh my gosh I mean, that was one where people were getting tires in here, you know, dirt cheap for all these. Uh, and, I, you know, me being in the South, everybody has a truck, right? And uh, and the next thing you know, there was a lot of businesses that uh, were suffering because they were trying to get these cheap tires in. And now, all of a sudden, they've got a whole nother situation on their hands. So, mm-hmm. all right, listen, we need to wrap this up. I thank you so much. You guys, man, you're... No problem. You will forget more than I'm going to get to learn. So uh, this has been fantastic. I greatly appreciate it. We're going to have more because we need to do more shows on this and uh, see if we can't help people, again, get ahead of the ball game and, and go for that. Um, you guys have right. both been absolutely and fantastic. And Jen, David, you know, what I was going to say is, Jen, David, we're, we'll use links to your documents, to your resources and all that. Everybody's going to have access to that if, if, if you have it publicly there yeah yeah we'll do that we'll do that so thank you both i mean andy this is great thank you thanks for having us we're gonna have you again promise all right (laughs) thank you much anytime thank you all take care guys Uh thank you very much for joining us simply trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of global training center you can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade@globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situations. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. No listener or viewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice from counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.